Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Just like that, the second hour is here. Monday edition of Outkick 360. Hutton Withrow with you. Going through the, the brackets. Thanks to Dan Dockett for joining us. Chad and I have posted the bracket. One of the two will be perfect. Chad, we've, we've agreed on that. One of the two brackets that we've done. We need to submit this thing wherever it needs to be submitted that if yeah. we get the perfect bracket, we win 10 million. One in a billion chance. Whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. We've got it right here. That's the lottery ticket. We've got Armando Salguero coming up in 20 minutes. The very latest on the NFL free agency period, which is officially open for negotiations now. Jimmy Garoppolo to Las Vegas. Uh, the Raiders signing him. They could still draft one as well with the seventh pick. However, it probably takes a trade to get up to number three ahead of Indianapolis um, to make sure that you have a quarterback if you're drafting past number five. Armando's take there, plus the trade that the Dolphins made for Jalen Ramsey with the Rams. Um, Tremaine Edmonds, the latest current free agent that will be signing on Wednesday with the Chicago Bears. So he's leaving Buffalo for Chicago. Still awaiting official word on Aaron Rodgers and the Jets who have to be sweating. And if they don't know, uh, and if reports are true from Ian Rappaport that the Jets have not heard from Rodgers to this point. Chad, uh, Alabama, to no one's surprise, took home the SEC championship at the tournament just like they did in the regular season. Brandon Miller was exceptional uh, in this tournament. Weren't even really challenged. No. And he, I mean, he turned it on after, in the second half in their game against, what, Missouri? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, did his thing in the championship game against A&M. He's the tournament MVP and on the court, rightfully so. Uh, Nate Oates uh, hoisting the, the, the net as Alabama wins the championship. And they get the number one overall seed for the first time in school history. And they're still facing all these questions, and rightfully so, about what took place on January 15th where Miller supplied the weapon that was used in a murder of a 23-year-old single mo mother uh, at a club in Tuscaloosa. And while Alabama's not saying anything, some Alabama fans, and they don't represent all, all of the fans, but a snapshot of just the, uh, just the stupidity of walking into an arena wearing a shirt that says, killing our way through the SEC in 23. Um, you know, you, you can't wear... Uh, uh, certain organization t-shirts in that arena and get away with it, right? Um, but you can wear this and get away with it. Craziness. And it wasn't just one. It was two fans that were wearing this uh, at the SEC tournament last weekend. It doesn't represent all Alabama fans, but it also surprises no one that Alabama fans would do this. That's a problem for your fan base. Yeah, I was not surprised to see the stupidity in this whole thing. And there's a lot of fan bases that, yeah, there'd be an idiot that might wear something like that to a game, mocking the murder of a young single mother by one of their players. Someone would kick that person's ass in their own fan base and remove them from the, the venue. 
or tell them to take it off. I don't think any Alabama fan was doing that. Certainly no one with the SEC was. The SEC was too busy tweeting the moment, oh, this moment, and it was Alabama celebrating an SEC championship, which is just ridiculous. I like that Greg Gumbel is pointing out what's going on with Alabama. I hope everyone that has their games points it out. Broadcasts have pointed out far less that have gone on with programs than what's going on with Alabama right now over the course of entire games sometimes. So I have no issue with that. Uh, for these two idiots that came to Nashville, I, I, I've heard from multiple people that they live in Tennessee, which anyone who lives in Middle Tennessee understands there's a huge Bama bandwagon contingent in Middle Tennessee. Heard from multiple people that are one person's a neighbor with this person who wore it and said, not surprising at all, and they definitely are Bama fans that came to the game. Some speculated maybe it's another fan base trolling Alabama by wearing it. Um, pathetic. It's just it's pathetic and stupid, and everything that you can say, and again, doesn't represent the entire fan base. I know decent Alabama fans, Alabama fans that I'm friends with. But what it also doesn't do is surprise anyone, and that's an Alabama problem now. And the Alabama problem is caused by your university and your program's lack of any discipline yeah. with Brandon Miller. And the more you defend it, and if it's even one, two people, whoever, wearing stupid stuff like this, it's going to continue to be a stain on your entire university, whether you want to admit it or not. And this Alabama team, we may get into our brackets at some point. I have them cutting down the nets again in Houston with a national I, championship. I have them winning. And it's not going to get any less awkward from here on out. As this well, becomes more and more of a national talking point and everyone starts to learn more and more about this story, they're going to root against Alabama even more. It's going to be talked about more. We're going to spend a week talking about them going to the Sweet 16. We're going to spend a week talking about them getting ready for the Final Four in Houston. We're going to spend two days of buildup after the Saturday of the semifinal to the Monday night national championship yeah. game discussing more and more about how awkward it's going to be to hand them a national championship trophy. They'll, I, NCAA will handle it the same way the SEC did uh, this past weekend. And, you know, the, so the story's at The Athletic where Kyle Tucker, I believe, was at the SEC tournament and spoke off to the side with Nate Oates. And he's a great piece where he details how with Nate Oates and with Brandon Miller at all times, Brandon Miller's cutting down the net at Bridgestone Arena, and there is a PR specialist with him at all times by his side. In Nate Oates' case, he was advised not to speak, uh, according to Tucker, to the athletic on the side, and he went ahead and did it on what the last few weeks have been like. All the while, a university lawyer and a PR specialist were both there uh, to observe and listen into what he was saying. But here's the quote to the athletic from Nate Oates after winning. The longer we keep winning, the more questions you're going to be asked. But I've kind of approached it in this way with the team. We all know who we are in this room. We have a really good group of guys. The world thinks something different right now. But the longer we play, the more they see of us, the better chance we have to show the world what kind of guys we really are. We know who we are. I'm proud of our guys on and off the court. Our guys have, haven't done anything wrong. The current group of guys we have are good. We've been thrown into a tough situation, and I think our guys are handling the media pressure fairly well. And if I take the brunt of it, that's fine. That from Nate Oates, and he goes on uh, to detail 
what things have been like. The, the only issue with that is Brandon Miller continues to say nothing. Doesn't seem like he's affected in any way other than motivated. As if he's playing some underdog story role with everyone being against him for no good reason, right? With the warm-up warm celebration slash frisking that took place, um, the game at the first game, um, the first home game, I believe, after he returned, and and the the story came out from the the original hearing. Other than that, we don't really know. We not have any action of how Brandon Miller is is what he's doing or saying behind the scenes. Other than I'm sorry, I can't get into that. Yeah, I wonder how many people would walk around with a PR specialist and refuse to answer questions about certain things or tell reporters not to ask certain questions or shield their best player from any media exposure other than any mandatory press conference time and have that person issue one little statement and then ask to not get questions about it again. How many people have done nothing wrong would behave that way from a PR standpoint. It's it's ludicrous. It's ludicrous that Nate Oates is not apologizing every time he gets in front of a microphone about how he handled this. They can do this without putting themselves up for more liability. You can say, "Hey, in hindsight, we're we feel awful about it. Don't tell me about how th- these guys in your team have done nothing wrong." Brandon Miller did something wrong. Whether you want to believe the defense attorney and everything he said or not, what happened was wrong. He physically transported the weapon that ended up killing someone. If he thought he was going to a church meeting at 2 a.m., doesn't matter. Wrong things happened because of his actions and his decision to go to that spot. So you could acknowledge that and have suspended the kid for a time. I've even lessened a little bit on you got to automatically kick him off the team. Five, ten-game suspension. And then you're not facing these questions as much. And don't tell me that you have been launched into something completely out of your control. Boy, we got a group of great guys, and we have been put in this adverse situation, and we don't deserve it. No. You deserve every bit of criticism you're getting right now. Don't don't give me that. And they continue to double down as a university. uh, In this piece, he says the reality, and I'm reading from the piece, not a quote. The reality, Oates said, is that Alabama's athletic director, university president, and board of trustees were all involved with the decision not to suspend Miller or Bradley, and, quote, everybody was comfortable, end quote. So that's going to continue to be their stance, and the coverage is only going to get... It's only going to mount, Chad. Uh, The the SEC tournament was a glimpse, I believe, of what we're going to see, especially if they make a run to the Final Four. Let me give you a little uh, just sneak peek into what that process looks like at Alabama when you're talking about school president, board of trust, everyone else, legal department that gets involved in something. When you are Nick Saban or you're Nate Oates and you are a successful coach at Alabama, they come to you and say, hey, coach, what do you want and how should we spin it? And when Nate Oates says, I don't want this guy to miss a second because he's our best player, they get to work on, okay, well, then how can we cover ourselves and do this. When Jermaine Burton hits a woman on, on camera in Knoxville and Nick Saban don't want to do anything about it because he's pissed off because the opposing crowd stormed the field and he felt threatened by it, what does Nick Saban do? He tells his bosses, in air quotes, what he wants to happen, and they set about working to make sure that's exactly what happens. This is par for the course 
at Alabama or probably any major program where coaches lead the way. Now, if Nate Oates would have come out and said, this is shameful on our program, this is awful, we know now that Brandon was at least there that night, Jaden Bradley was around that night also. We're going to suspend both indefinitely. Suspend both. I believe Brandon and what he's saying. We're not going to kick him off the team, but we're going to suspend him indefinitely until we get more facts or find out everything. If Nate Oates said that in the beginning, guess what his bosses would have done? All right, coach, you're the boss. You're the one who calls the shots. We can do that. We'll back you on that. Exactly right. This is the employees. And they continue to win. This is the employees leading the way. Well, and based on how the university is handled, if you're Brandon Miller, why would you show uh, any, anything other than what we've seen uh, or say anything other than what we've heard publicly? It is something to thoughts at hey, Outkick look, 360. We live in a sports world where Chris Beard just choked out his girlfriend, allegedly, and there's photos yep. of her to, to prove it, and then she, and does, she doesn't go call. forward after. And a 911 call. But charges were not – they were dropped. Charges were dropped because you didn't have a cooperating victim in, in the case, which right. does happen. But, again, draw your own conclusions yep. about what happened. And Chris Beard, what? Two months after he was two, fired. Two or three months? Two months after he was fired with cause, he, he lands a job with Ole Miss. In the SEC. Yeah. So, you know, Al Davis was right, I guess. Just win, baby. And that's what Nate Oates is doing right now, and I think he's going to cut down the nets in Houston. And, and it's going to make it so awkward for anyone that knows this story completely. Uh, Greg Gumbel on CBS, whenever Alabama's announces the number one overall seed, uh, story at OutKick that you can read, uh, he says uh, he's – they sidestepped a situation involving criminal activity in which Brandon Miller was associated. He was not charged. They are here as the number one overall seed. That from Greg Gumbel as they announced Alabama uh, and where they were headed in the NCAA tournament. All that is is regurgitating what the university's putting out there. No charges were, were brought, so everything is you know on the up and up with Alabama. You know What a shining moment for this tournament. The sidestepping has come through the university towards Miller and then what we're seeing in answers to media that are asking the questions post-game or in between games or right after the game on the court where Marty Smith asked Brandon Miller, I believe it was the semifinals um, on ESPN, asked Brandon Miller about his performance and then followed up with the situation that we're referring to um, with uh, Jamia Harris losing her life. And Miller just kind of gave him this blank stare, and Marty quickly just picked up and went to the next question. But he did ask it, but they're not going to say anything. See, I, I can't – I've watched the Greg Gumbel video. It, it was so poorly executed in what he was saying that I couldn't tell if he was trying to, um, to downplay Bama's involvement in it or he was trying to be critical of Bama, but in doing so – tried to sort of lessen the blow of it by saying criminal situation instead of murder. You know, it's almost like he didn't want to go all in. He wanted to go half in on criticism. I don't think he was saying it as a compliment when he said they sidestepped a criminal situation. I think it was an attempt. it It was a very clumsy attempt to be somewhat critical while saying the story about Alabama's season that left the viewer thinking, I don't know if this guy is applauding Alabama for their legal entanglement and how they got out of the situation or if he's trying to be critical. That I was left 
Just well, thinking, I don't know what he's trying to accomplish here. And what, what my hope would be is whenever they have the I'm studio shows. I'm glad he shows, brought it up, by the way. Yeah, I am glad they, at least he mentioned it. Yeah, yeah. Right. But whenever they have the studio shows, that they treat it the way the SEC Network did um, after Miller's uh, first game, what, at South Carolina, I believe, was the first game after we saw the hearing take place where the information came out. It was the night after. Um, SEC Network handled that well with their criticism of the situation and Nate Oates' comments and everything. My guess is we will see further discussion on that yeah, throughout I, the tournament as this com- I don't think Alabama's getting bounced anytime soon. Yeah, I, I'd have to go back and watch the SEC network piece of it. I was watching Sean Farnham on ESPN, their college basketball postgame wrap up, because that game was on, I think, in ESPN, like ESPN two. Yeah. It was on at the time. I thought ESPN handled it well. I haven't heard as much from the SEC network on it, which you know, we know why. You know, it's the SEC well, I, network. But I've heard them discuss it, though. Yeah, in they, their, they've in their at studio least, settings. They've at least mentioned it and talked about it, which is good. Uh, here's what absolutely kills me about the SEC network, watching the SEC tournament over the weekend. Yeah. Um, the Vandy run. I mean, it was <laughs> everyone that, well, hey, congrats on Vandy, punching their ticket into the NCAA tournament. And then it's like simultaneously they all get texts from Joe Lenardi who is a fellow ESPN Disney employee who's saying, guys, they're still like the fourth team out. They're, they're not in. Stop with the victory parade about they're in the tournament. They're really not even that close to being in the tournament. And then they have to kind of come back and like sober up after the Vandy win and say, yep, hey, I've, we talked to Joe Lenardi, and maybe they do have work to do against <laughs> Wait, the there, there's other all. conferences playing the tournament right now where yeah, other I mean, teams have resonance? I get it. Like, you know, it's sports. You get caught up in the moment. Right, and you start saying, "Man, this is just amazing." You're, well, that's also you're the, intoxicated with the success yeah, and what you're seeing, yeah. and then it's like the and next you want, morning you, you want, wake up and it's like, "Oh man, we they still have to beat a And M today." And they're also selling the product that they want you to believe matters. Right, of course, yeah, I get it. I'm not being critical of them. They're they're employed by who employs them, and they're probably being told certain things to say. But they did have to come back. There was a moment with Jerry Stackhouse after the game, reacted like he was going after Dari Noqua because he was saying as he was getting up. I just got a text from Joe Lenardi. They're still the fourth team out. And he looked like he was going to fight someone <laughs> when he heard that about Joe Lenardi. But in the end, Joe Lenardi was right. Coming up, Armando Salguero joins us. We give you the very latest on what is the first day of open negotiations. Players agreeing to terms with new teams. And we still await Aaron Rodgers news. Armando's next and now kick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Armando Salguero joins us as Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Busy day and what is going to be a busy handful of days here uh, over the course of the start to NFL free agency, which is well underway. Armando, have you heard from Aaron Rodgers? Because the Jets still have not. 
And I say this tongue-in-cheek, but maybe he's taking a peek at the cornerbacks in the AFC East, which got even better with Jalen Ramsey's addition to Miami. How are you? I'm doing great. Let me share a text that I got earlier today and then uh, a follow-up text, okay? Um, So the first text that I got was at 301 on Aaron Rodgers, right? Not from Aaron Rodgers, by the way, but decision soon. Stand by, okay? (laughs) Yep. At 336. (laughs) Not today. (laughs) Wow. It's amazing, isn't it? Uh, uh, So I expect that the change, I would guess, in the next uh, 10 to 15 minutes to maybe we don't know what the heck we're talking about, but be on guard. It's it's ridiculous. This whole Aaron Rodgers thing. Is so crazy. he goes on Pat McAfee show tomorrow. He said a couple months ago he will announce at some point on that show. That seems like the time, right? That something would be said. That seems like the time. That would make not today the uh, you know the favorite in the clubhouse or the leader in the clubhouse. But look. The people that really should be sweating this, if if anyone is, uh, are in one new, you know, Florham Park in New Jersey, the New York Jets facility, and two in Titletown in Green Bay because the Jets really, really need and want Aaron Rodgers, and the Packers don't. They don't want Aaron Rodgers at all. Uh, they'll take them if they must but they don't really want to take them. The Jets are running out of options if Aaron Rodgers decides to retire. They, they've got nothing, really. I mean, what are they going to do? Throw a Hail Mary at Lamar Jackson, maybe? Um, that's, that's a rough situation. And one of the reasons that they're in this situation is because they signaled very clearly, we love Aaron Rodgers. And just kind of lo- like everybody else. Well, Derek Carr looks at you liking me and New Orleans loving me. I'm going to New Orleans. Jimmy Garoppolo looks at you liking me and Las Vegas loving me. I'm going to go to Las Vegas. Am I crazy to think that the Raiders are still drafting a quarterback at seven or they're moving up to try to do so? No, not at all. Uh, the Raiders, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo... <laughs> Uh, he has been to three NFC Championship games, which is very good. He has taken and helped his team to one Super Bowl, which is very good. But there's no one, I don't think, in the NFL that's saying that Jimmy Garoppolo is your forever, you know, franchise quarterback. He is basically a bridge quarterback and the best of all world bridge quarterbacks. And that's, I think that's how the Raiders are going to see it. If they find an opportunity, they'll they'll take it. It's really hard, though, Jonathan, to find, you know, in this draft class, the an elite quarterback with the seventh overall pick. Yes. Uh, Armando Salguero with us on Outkick 360. From quarterback to cornerback, and no offense to Byron Jones, who was very good. He's no Jalen Ramsey in terms of the interception numbers and what we've seen from Ramsey in Jacksonville and then in L.A., now he's in Miami. He joined Xavier Howard. They're, they're stacked. Walk us through 
how they've put this together and why they jumped out to get Ramsey when they did. The window is what it is, and it's not opening. It's going in the other direction. This is a team that has not won a, a playoff game since 2016. Excuse me, since, uh, what was it? No, it's 2001, actually, 2000, if you really want to get to it. They, they made the playoffs this year. They made it in 2016. They made it in 2008. Didn't win any of those years. Um, this, this, is, this is growing old for ownership. They want to, to matter. And the way that you matter is you have to basically host playoff games. The Dolphins haven't done that. And they hope that with, this, like you said, the stack of talent that they have. And by the way, part of that talent is the addition of Vic Fangio as the defensive coordinator, because I think he's every bit as valuable as some players that are being signed today. His addition is um, you have to get something done before you have to pay to a Tonga by law. And that is coming if he stays healthy. And if he doesn't stay healthy, you're going to need a new quarterback anyway, so the window is closing. Armando Salguero with us. We, we were discussing last week the Bears and the opportunity they have now to actually build around Justin Fields, and they have jumped out. I mean, they have nearly $100 million to start with. They make the trade on Friday. They get out of pick number one. Uh, they drop back to nine with Carolina, but they pick up DJ Moore. Uh, since then, with the news, since we started the show, they've agreed to terms with Nate Davis, uh, guard for the Titans. They've signed a linebacker, TJ Edwards, and then Tremaine Edmonds from Buffalo receives the big contract of $72 million from Chicago. This is what happens whenever you have the most cap space in a league that's hamstrung right now for cap space. Right, um, and, and that, that's all great. But uh, they have today committed $91 million to the linebacker position. Wow. <laughs> that's a lot of money to commit to the linebacker position. Uh, and I don't know that either Tremaine Edmonds or TJ Edwards are better, is better than Roquan Smith, yeah. whom they traded to the, you know, the Baltimore Orioles. No, nah, not the Orioles, the Ravens. <laughs> Orioles could use uh, them too. Yeah. Yeah. They 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 need a a center fielder. So the bottom line is, uh, you know, there's a lot of activity, but at least at linebacker, I don't see a lot of upgrade achievement. Um, and I get it, two bodies better than one. You, you know, it's a collective, and you're you're thinking that. Roquan Smith, you know, his days were were numbered anyway because uh, he was representing himself and the, the negotiation was tough. Guess what? It wasn't tough for the Baltimore Ravens. They signed him once they traded for him. So I don't I don't get that at all. I don't like the linebacker exchange. Other than that, yeah, they're adding talent, which is often better than not having talent. So, Deron Payne, four years, $90 million with the Commanders. What do you make of that deal? What do you think that says for Jeffrey Simmons with the Titans or any other team coming up? This is what it says for Jeffrey Simmons. 
Cha Ching. Okay. Yep. Uh, you know, the, these, these deals, um, they don't typically go down as the player is equal to or better. They normally go up. Uh, I, I was talking to an NFL front office person. Was it? Yes. It was yesterday. And he said to me, it's always better to jump out and do a deal earlier because they get more expensive as you know, as the negotiating period happens, typically do it immediately. Your talent is better. Do that because then you're paying pretty much equal to for lesser talent. And if you're talking about quarterbacks, you know, a lot of these quarterback extensions get done later. It's better to get them done earlier, as I think the Baltimore Ravens are learning. We, uh, we also knew that the Eagles were going to lose some talent based on what they had acquired and put together in recent seasons, Armando, and that's certainly the case. Uh, we, we can go defensive tackle, but they've also got Miles Sanders who's available. I mean, there, there's plenty of players off that Eagles roster that can be playing elsewhere. Yeah, so C.J. Gardner um, is going to, you know, C.J. Gardner-Johnson is looking for a big contract. Uh, Jason Kelsey is coming back, so that means they have to pay him. Yeah. Jalen Hurts wants an extension, so that means they have to pay him. So when you have those big ticket items, even though Kelsey is probably on a one year thing, um, you're going to bleed talent, and especially when you have as much talent as the Eagles have acquired in recent in recent years. So they've already lost Hargrave to San Francisco. They've already lost. Um, let's see who else Edwards today to Chicago. Um, James Bradbury is probably going to end up somewhere else. CJ Gardner Johnson is probably going to end up somewhere else, but they, you make choices and the choice is you got to sign the quarterback to an extension. So Austin Eckler reportedly seeking a trade after contract extension talks have stalled with the chargers, not just specifically with him, who's a very good player, but in general, trade market for running back position right now, what, what exactly is it? What do you think it'll look like for Austin Eckler? Yeah, uh, number one, the Los Angeles Chargers are not often a team that gets leveraged um, you know, by running backs. Ask Melvin Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's first. Secondly, running backs are good to have. Uh, at a certain price, but not good to have at a much higher price. Ask the Dallas Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott, um, who averaged 3.8 yards a carry last year while earning $16 million. It, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And Austin Eckler is a good player, but I mean, you know, well, is anybody going to give up a second round pick for him? That this feels uh, though that this is the time to play his leverage. If you're Austin Eckler, you have the rookie contract right now with Herbert. You're wanting to build build around him and pay others before they have to cut others because they have to pay the QB. And he's their offense. He had over what uh, he had a 204 carries last season, and he had over 100 catches. I mean, the guy moves the football and he scores touchdowns. He's the leading scorer. 
uh, out, out of his position the last two seasons. I don't blame him for the leverage move. I don't know if he gets the money he wants. I also don't think they're trading him. Uh, correct. He's under contract. And not only is he under contract, if they decide next offseason that they really are going to keep him, whether he likes it or not, they can franchise him. And that costs like $11 million, as opposed to the 14, 15, 16 million dollars a year that he would want in an extension. So it, it's just the math is not there for a player whose production is definitely there. Something that you you wrote at Outkick weeks ago uh, is circulating now. Baker Mayfield and the mutual interest with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, have have I have you seen anything official with that? since we you know, started today with the open negotiations. And uh, for those that don't know, what are the ties with Todd Bowles and Baker Mayfield? Yeah, so when Baker Mayfield was coming out in 2018 in that draft class that included Sam Darnold, uh, Josh Rosen, others, um, Todd Bowles liked Baker Mayfield over everybody else. And he ended up, they ended up taking Sam Darnold because Mayfield was gone, but Mayfield is there now. And Todd Bowles needs a quarterback that has dealt with veteran wide receivers, which obviously the Bucks have with Chris Godwin um, leading that charge and Mike Evans also. So that's, that's something that is attractive to them. I'm told that Baker Mayfield has suitors, but I'm not sure that he has suitors that can step into a situation that is kind of as good as what Tampa Bay has. Because, again, did I mention Mike Evans and did I mention Chris Godwin? <laughs> Those are some pretty you know, solid weapons and they're going to have a solid defense and the offensive line is supposed to be getting healthy, supposedly after an offseason off. They weren't last year. Um, that is a situation where you can you 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 can succeed. Whereas some of these other teams that are offering Baker Mayfield an opportunity, it's you know we need a quarterback bad man and probably a backup. So can you come over here and help us? Which quarterback do you believe Carolina's after at number one overall? I have no idea but we know that they know and they're not saying, um, which makes no earthly, you know, logic because there's no one that's going to jump them. <laughs> it's not like, well, they the, can the say NFL, tomorrow, you know, that the NFL doesn't, they frown on that. They do not want the team telling the, the world who they're drafting number one overall until draft night when they announce it. Right. Uh, so you're saying the NFL cares about PR. Correct. Yes. And TV ratings. Yes. Correct. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, look, for the Carolina Panthers' purposes, it might be good for them to start talking contract with C.J. Stroud or, you know, uh, whoever they decide, Anthony Richardson or the elf from Alabama. You know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> I'm messing. I'm messing. It's just a joke. It was Alabama. it was a good joke. It was a good line. It was good. 
Uh, you don't know if I was talking about the coach. Ah. Yeah. Could have been anyone. Could have definitely been. You definitely weren't talking about Will Anderson. In Alabama. Yeah, no doubt. It wasn't Will Anderson. No. Hey, Armando, help me with this. At the trade deadline, reports were out that the Rams had offered two future first-round picks in exchange for Brian Burns. Carolina turned it down. But they now have traded Jalen Ramsey in exchange for a tight end and whatever. Um, are, are both of those equal? Like, are, are the mindsets the same in both situations? And what has changed in a matter of four months? Reality. <laughs> they were hoping that, you know, last year, remember they were in um, on uh, Christian McCaffrey as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, they didn't land him, obviously. But it was one of those things where they had a window. I think they realize now the window has closed and the salary cap realities have set in and they need to, you know, fix stuff. Uh, the, the Rams are yesterday's champion, very much so. Their championship window has, they don't believe so because they think that they, you know, they've got Aaron Donald and they got Matt Stafford and, and, and obviously they have arguably one of the best receivers in the NFL if he gets healthy. And they're, they're trying to still convince Odell Beckham to come back, which, you know, I, I, I don't understand. But anyway, the point being that barring something significant changing, I think that their championship window has closed and they kind of sort of realize that. I keep checking Twitter before I ask anything about Rodgers. I still don't see anything. Um, no. So uh, check your text. Did you guys yeah, say that it's been any, bumped yeah, back up to today? Yeah. From, it, from today to tomorrow back to next, today? It will be in the next 77 years. Good, good. He will have a... <laughs> How about Schefter with the three phones? He's the best. Three phones. Um, you yeah, do, phoned me. You, how many do you have? Two. So what? you you get uh, twice as you get the same amount of work done on two phones instead of three. No, he gets way more work done than I do. Uh, God bless him. There, those guys are really. Oh, very I know. Good they get after work. it. They get after they, it. They do get after it. Uh, and former newspaper guys. They yeah. know what's going on. Yep. Uh, Armando, you do as well. We'll be following OutKick for the very latest. Appreciate you as always, man. Thank you, guys. Yep. Armando Salguero there. You can follow him on social just by uh, searching his name. Also, just go to OutKick.com for the very latest reaction and analysis on all of the signings or uh, who will be signing by Wednesday um, with the official start of free agency. Coming up. Chad and I continued to glow about Top Gun Maverick. Um, the Academy didn't. And Tom Cruise. I, I watched all had of Had something it, to say about it. Hutton, except for a lot of the speeches. I would fast forward wow. through some of the, the technical categories. Yeah. The only one that Top Gun won, by the way, was one of the technical categories. Yeah. I did see that win, but I, I have thoughts. Maybe Chad's seen the, the film that actually won. We'll see. That's an action out. Maybe. Maybe. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. 
Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Chad, the best movie didn't win Best Picture. It was Top Gun Maverick. And no, I didn't see Avatar. But those were the two films that grossed over a billion dollars worldwide. And I certainly haven't seen the others that were nominated. I'm sure you've at least seen a, a couple of them. What did you think of the Oscars last night? I've not seen everything, everywhere, all at once, which won basically every major like award. seven awards, right? J- Jamie Lee Curtis won for Supporting Actress. I think Michelle Yeoh is the uh, actress's name who won Best okay. Actress. Uh, short Round from uh, Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom. I did see that. He the- grew up to, to win Best Supporting Actor. His speech was phenomenal. A very likable, very emotional speech when he won. Really cool. Uh, Brendan Fraser won for The Whale. It's amazing. Uh, there was a... I thought Jimmy Kimmel was pretty funny, actually, but he had a thing about... There's actually two people that in 1992 co-starred in Encino Man, and it was... Uh, and I'm blanking on his name. The guy who played Short Round in, in Indiana Jones and Brendan Fraser, and they were both nominated for Oscars for acting. You know, 31 years later after being an Encino Man, and he had some joke about this. Really makes Polly Shore upset as he watches from home right now. <laughs> well, then the uh, hug with Harrison Ford was cool. Yeah, the side by side with the hugs of the two. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was it was cool. I, I thought so. Um, yeah, I don't. I haven't seen the movie, so I can't say whether it's better yeah. or not i just know the description they went through all the, the writing of each movie and the description of this the pitch was what if we put our mom in the matrix apparently that's the that's the one you know line okay. about the movie uh I, I i don't know i i, I have i'm hard pressed to think it's i would enjoy it more than than top gun maverick i'm sure it's great jimmy kimmel got into the slap from the year before it was funny some of the stuff he said at one point he said if something unexpected happens or someone gets physically violent on stage here, do exactly what you did last year. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> and then he joked about, you know, if someone does something like that, we'll let you come up here and speak for 19 minutes in an acceptance <laughs> speech after giving you the award. Uh, he went relatively like hard at, at that. Um, you know, there was uh, some, some of the woke Hollywood stuff with some of the acceptance speeches. I will say the Oscars, I think have done a lot to try to eliminate alienating people mm-hmm. from the broadcast, but you can't stop people from accepting an award and talking about, you know, drag shows being eliminated. That was the the directors. Here's the other thing I didn't realize. You could have multiple directors win director of the year. So, so there there's two, two right? guys who directed everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, because I saw the story where they both got the gift bag, the Oscar gift yeah, bag they that goes have, to the winner. They had co-directed. Has that ever happened before? I didn't realize that you could share the director role and, and win you, that way. You share everything in Hollywood. Yeah. I guess the Coen brothers, did they ever win best director, both of them, at the they same time? They would have time? to, right? Uh, yeah. Anyway, they would have to. Anyway, look, I, I thought overall it was pretty good. I saw it had 16.3 million viewers. Jimmy Kimmel joked Pedro Pascal was one of the presenters, Mm -hmm. and he said, most of America's probably watching him right now on either Disney Plus and The Mandalorian or on HBO with The Last of Us. Uh, I did look it up. The Last of Us had 8.2 million viewers last night, head-to-head with the Oscars. 
That was the best audience they've had. The show went up all season, which is great, right? You, the, if you go up for the most part with people catching on yeah. as it goes, that's really good. But the, the Oscars did double the ratings of HBO's The Last of Us, which shouldn't surprise anyone. It's a huge event. Chad, you know I'm, I'm always looking up what's inside the Oscars gift bag. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel receives one. We look up that and Derek Jeter's gift and bag. Derek, yes. Those are uh, the only two gift bags we're really concerned with. We only know the contents of one, and that's yes. the one they hand out to the winners. Uh, 26 total plus one, which is Jimmy Kimmel. So 27 of these. They are taxed if you accept it. $126,000 is what the gift bag is worth. Uh, a luxury Canadian getaway valued at $40,000 is in there. Vouchers for cosmetic procedures like liposuction and microneedling. And a PETA Stop Monkey Imports to Labs travel pillow is also included that, in the gift that bag. That is perfectly on brand. That, that being an item yes. that's in the Oscar gift yes. bag, perfectly on brand. I will say also, big problem with the Oscars is they do some funny bits when they include some of the celebrities but also you have people who are way too self-serious Oh, of course. about it. Because Jimmy Kimmel had a joke with Austin <laughs> Butler. Austin Butler is the guy who played Elvis and did a great job. But he joked about, you know, in the making of Elvis, Tom Hanks sent the typewriter, and in a typewriter sent to Austin Butler as a gift, it was a letter from Tom Parker to Elvis. And then they started writing back and forth with that typewriter to each other as Tom Parker and Elvis, showing once again how silly all of this is, <laughs> is what he said. And I don't think Austin Butler found it that funny when he said so that. So he, he pretended he was at the ESPYs then, Austin where he Butler doesn't laugh can't at the joke. He can't shake the Elvis accent. He was so into the character. In method acting. He, he can't stop being Elvis in his normal now, life. Even now? Yes, he said it's a problem. <laughs> that he just goes into Elvis at all times. I wonder if that happens in Vegas with all the impersonators. Maybe. This Carolina taking it number one. And the very latest on NFL free agency next. <laughs> 